Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and my friend, I've been waiting for you. And today, you and I are going to return to the book of Jude. Ah, how I love the little powerful epistle of Jude that most people just skip right over because they think it's not important because it's just 25 verses. But my friends, the book of Jude is really important. And today we're going to go back and look again at verse 22 and 23. And then I'm going to give you an example of how to rescue people who are in trouble. But we're offering you my series this week, which is called How to Build Up Your Most Holy Faith. It's five parts. It comes in multiple formats. And the subtitle says, Praying in the Spirit, Building Your Faith, and Becoming an Instrument in the Hands of God. Ah, order yours today, and it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you my book, which is called Last Day's Survival Guide. The foreword is written by my friend Perry Stone. The subtitle says, A Scriptural Handbook to Prepare You for These Perilous Times. And again, it's got boots and a Bible on the cover because we're living in the last days. And we need to grab our boots and grab our Bibles and get ready to march through this territory in the power of God, and we can do it. Say amen. But if you have a prayer need, I want to hear from you. Call us right now, and the moment our phone rings, we're going to begin to really pray for anything that you have on your heart. And let me tell you, friends, when you reach out to this ministry, you really get prayed for. If you'd prefer to send us an email, send us an email. And the moment it shows up in the inbox, we're going to release our faith for the Lord to move mightily in your life. So call us or send us your email right now and reach for your Bible. We always use the Bible in this program and we're believing for a revival of the Bible in the body of Christ. And this week we're concluding the entire series on the book of Jude. And the book of Jude is quite a serious book. And every day I've been giving you the RIV of every verse in the book of Jude. And today we're going to begin in Jude verse 22. And the King James Version says, And if some have compassion making a difference. Verse 23 in the King James Version says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. But I want to again give you the RIV of both of these verses. And the RIV of Jude verse 22 is like this. And for some it is essential that you be moved with compassion that does more than simply feel sorry about their plight. You must let compassion move you to take action, to do whatever you can to make a difference for those who are uncertain, doubtful, and even vacillating back and forth in their faith. Then the RIV of Jude verse 23. And indeed, there are some in such serious condition that there's no choice but for you to urgently swing into action to deliver rescue and save them. You should be so alarmed by their condition that you're willing to do whatever is necessary to snatch them out of the fire, detesting and hating the contamination that has so deeply defiled them. They are so ill-affected by the flesh 
that they are regretfully like a garment sullied through every layer of clothes all the way to the undergarments. That's a pretty powerful interpretation of Jude verse 22 and verse 23. But as I've told you in previous programs, the reason Jude wrote his epistle is because someone had passed him the book of 2 Peter. And when he read 2 Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3, where Peter writes about people who really know the Lord, who veer from their faith and the judgment that awaits them, well, Jude was so disturbed by what he read that he decided he would address the very same subject. So for you to see exactly what Jude read that so moved him, let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 2 and begin in verse 6. And in verse 6, Jude, uh, Peter is describing judgment. He's already described the judgment that came upon the sinning angels. He described judgment which came upon the world at the time of Noah. And now he describes the judgment that came upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, Peter writes, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Now we covered this yesterday, but I want to cover it again briefly right now. When he says turning into ashes, it is a Greek word tephroo, which means to completely reduce to ashes or to incinerate until there's nothing left of it but ashes. It goes on to say, he condemned them with an overthrow. The word condemned, the Greek word katakrino, which describes the condemning verdict of a court, which means heaven gave its verdict. And the verdict was the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were to be judged with an overthrow. And the word overthrow is the Greek word catastrophe. It was catastrophic what happened to these cities. And Peter says he made them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. In sample is the Greek word hupodegma, which describes a sculptor's small-scale model. Before a sculptor makes the real deal, first he makes a model, which is very small. And in the model, he perfects what he's going to eventually build. He makes sure all the measurements and all the dimensions are correct. And finally, when he has perfected the small-scale model, then he amplifies it and makes the real deal. So the small scale model is an experiment, or you might call it a prototype. That's the word that is used in this verse. So Peter tells us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah is a prototype of what's going to happen to the world of the ungodly in the future. And then he says in verse 7, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, and delivered just Lot. The word delivered, the Greek word ruomai, which means to snatch out of danger just in the nick of time. And today, I want us to go to the book of Genesis and find out exactly what the Bible tells us about that event. When you go on to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Well, Lot was a righteous man. In fact, Peter uses the word dikaios, the word righteous twice in 2 Peter chapter 2 to describe Lot. He was a righteous man, but he was not living very righteously and he was living in a horrible place. And the Bible tells us in seeing and hearing, and the Greek tense means in seeing and seeing and hearing and hearing, he vexed his 
righteous soul calloused himself because he was constantly seeing and constantly hearing such ungodless things right where he was living. Ah, there was a righteous man living in such a terrible place and he was about to be judged with everyone in the city, but the Lord delivered him. And how was he delivered? Well, we read that story beginning in Genesis chapter 18, verse 16. And when we come to Genesis chapter 18, we find that the Lord and two angels had come to the plains of Mamre to visit Abraham. And they spoke to Abraham about him and Sarah and about their future. And finally, when you come to verse 16, it says, And the men rose up from thence. The word men refers to the angels and the Lord. And looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. So two of the angels were going to go down into the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But the Lord was going to stay with Abram. And the Bible tells us in verse 18, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing that I shall do? Verse 20, And the Lord said, Now the Lord is going to tell Abraham what's going to take place. Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, verse 21, I will go down now, and actually the Lord is going to stand there with Abraham, but he's dispatching the two angels down into the cities to make an investigation. I will go down now and see whether they've done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know it. And in scripture, we find that God hears the cry of three things. God hears the cry of faith, God hears the cry of misery from the hearts of his people. We see that in Exodus chapter 3. And here in Genesis chapter 18, verse 21, we find that when sin becomes very grievous, heaven can hear the cry of sin. And now God says, what I hear is so horrible. I'm going to send these angels down to do an investigation to see if it could possibly be as bad as it sounds. Verse 22, and the men, that is the two angels, turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But notice this, Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Why? Because he knew that his nephew Lot and his family was in Sodom. And if he didn't draw near to the Lord real quick and begin to intercede and do business with God, his nephew and his nephew's family were going to be destroyed in judgment. And that's why verse 23 says, and Abraham drew near. My friend, when you know someone is in spiritual trouble, that's a moment for you to draw near. It's not enough just for you to say, that's so sad. Oh, that's just so pitiful. Oh, I'm just heartbroken. That doesn't change anything. We're told in Jude verse 22, if some have compassion, that word compassion, the Greek word elios describes a mercy that compels you to action. Abraham was compelled to action. He drew near to the Lord and he said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And you can read the whole story in Genesis chapter 18. Abraham began to negotiate. He began to intercede for the salvation and the deliverance of his family who were in Sodom. And finally, when you come to Genesis chapter 18, verse 33, the Bible says, finally, the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham and Abraham returned 
unto his place. Something very important here. When you read the negotiations that took place in this time of intercession, you find that Abraham was very audacious in the way that he spoke to God. God was not offended by it. And in fact, verse 33 says, God saw it as communion. God likes it when we enter into negotiations with him, when we begin to intercede for someone else. And Abraham was so assured that everything would be fine with his family that when he was finished, he went home and he went to bed. But then you come to Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. And there came two angels. Now the angels have been dispatched. Now they have arrived to Sodom at evening. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. That is really important because only the leaders of the city sat in the city gate. And here is Lot, a man who is righteous on one hand, but living very unrighteously, so endorsed, so embraced by the men of Sodom that he is one of their officials. He is sitting in the gate of the city. He has become a Sodomite. And Lot, seeing the angels, rose up to meet them and bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Verse 2. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. They did not come to town to have fellowship with Lot. They came to town to be in the streets during the night so they could really investigate and see the level of sin in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities of the plain. Lot knew what they were going to see and he did not want them to see it. So verse 3 says, He pressed upon them greatly. Please come into my house. And they turned in unto him and entered into his house, and he made for them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Then when you come to Genesis chapter 19, verse 4, the Bible continues to tell us, But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about both old and young, all the people from every quarter, Verse 5, And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came unto thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. That we may know them means to sexually know them. All the men of Sodom wanted to rape these two men. And not just every man, every old man, every young man. It shows how terribly infested Sodom was with perversion and sin. And then you come to Genesis 19, verse 6. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him, verse 7, and said, now listen to this. What you're about to read will show you how far he had sunk morally himself. And said, I pray you, he calls them brethren. He calls them brethren. And I pray you, brethren, do not so Wickedly, So he acknowledges that what they want to do to these two angels is wicked. But notice the solution he offers them in verse 8. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. That's very important. Hold on to that. Two daughters which have never sexually known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. 
So he just said, it's wrong for you to rape these angels. However, I do have two girls. You can have them and do to them whatever you want to do to them. If he thought that was all right, then it shows you how far he had sunk morally. His mind had become ill-affected by the environment that he was living in. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Then you come to Genesis 19, verse 9. And they said, the men of Sodom, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn, and now he is going to be our judge. Who are you to tell us what is right and what is wrong? Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon Lot and came near to break the door. But the angels intervened. We read that in verse 10. And the men, that is the angels, put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door, verse 11. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Even though they had been struck with blindness, they so wanted to rape these men that even though they were blind, they're still wearying to find the door. And then you come to verse 12. And the men, that is the angels, said unto Lot, Hast thou have, hast thou here any besides son-in-laws and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in this city? Bring them out of this place. Verse 13, For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Verse 19, And Lot went out and spoke unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters. But hold on, hold on, we've already seen he had two daughters which had never known men, which means his sons-in-laws were homosexuals, and even though they were legally married to his daughters, they had never had sex. And he said, up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this place. And notice this statement, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. It must have been as if they said, what are you saying? Have you suddenly become a preacher? <laughs> what is this? You're telling us what is right and what is wrong. They had never seen Lot behave godly, even though he was a righteous man. And then when you come to verse 15, when the Morning arose, the angels hastened Lot. Come on, Lot, get moving. Saying, arise. It means get up quickly. Take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Verse 16, and while he lingered. Lot lingered. Even though he was told judgment was coming, he didn't want to leave his beloved Sodom and Gomorrah. He lingered. So the angels did what? They laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. The angels didn't simply say, that's just so sad that he doesn't want to leave. That wouldn't change anything. It says the Lord was merciful. The Lord took action to rectify the situation. And if Lot and his family were not going to leave by themselves, they were going to drag them out of the city against their will. And that's what they did. And in Genesis 19, verse 24 says, 
Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, verse 25, and overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground, verse 27, and Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. So Abram has been sleeping all night very soundly, not worried because he had already interceded. So he gets up the next morning, goes to the place where he had made intercession, looks down the hill into the valley, and what does he see? Verse 28, And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. Verse 29, And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelled. How does the Lord deliver people that are in trouble? We're told in 2 Peter 2.9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. That word deliver, the Greek word ruomai, means to snatch out of, to pull out of just in the nick of time. And we know that God delivered Lot because of Abraham's prayers of intercession. And my friends, if you know someone that is in spiritual trouble, it's time for you to draw near to the Lord and make intercession for them. Wow, this is so powerful. When we come back tomorrow, we're going to pick up right here. But right now, my announcer is going to tell you how you can order all of the materials connected to today's teaching, and then I'll be back, and I want to really pray for you. The Bible commands us to build up our most holy faith and to pray in the Holy Spirit. But how do you build up your most holy faith? What does that mean? And how do you pray in the Holy Spirit? And what does praying in the Spirit mean for you? In this five-part series, How to Build Up Your Most Holy Faith, Rick Renner dives deep into the book of Jude to answer these important questions. You'll be thrilled to discover what it really means to build up your most holy faith and to pray in the Holy Ghost. You'll also learn how compassion can make a difference for someone who is in trouble and how Jesus is the great keeper and protector of those who trust in Him. Available in digital or physical format starting at just $10, this series will show you how to reach inside yourself to stir up the fire of God that is in you. In addition, you can also get the book Last Day Survival Guide for $25. This is a book God will use again and again to equip you to successfully sail through the turbulent waters we are facing all around us in the world today. If you believe we are living in the last days, then you need to know how to survive them and thrive in them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this special offer, the five-part series How to Build Up Your Most Holy Faith and the book Last Day Survival Guide. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey, this is Rick Renner. This is where I sit every morning, where I meet with the Lord and I pray for our TV family, our partners, people that I love all over the world. And this is where I prepare my TV programs. I sit down with my Greek study helps. And by the way, I don't just use Greek study helps. I read New Testament Greek. That's what I studied in the university. It really is my specialization. But before I give them to you, first I check them. 
make sure I've got it right. I study all these programs, really put it all together. And I have to tell you that preparing the program is the biggest part. Filming the program is the easy part. It takes hours and hours and hours to make sure I put everything together correctly for you. And then from here, it goes to the TV suite where I sit down with my producer and then he and I go over all the introductions that I have filmed. Where the word of the king is, there, let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program. Wow, done with another program. It's so good to do these programs for the people who watch us all over the world. This is our studio. This really is where I live my life. And in this room, we prepare programs that ultimately go to multiple languages all over the face of the earth. They're primarily Russian and English. Wow, what a blessing. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 10, verse 21, that the lips of the righteous feed many. It's my prayer that our teaching is feeding and nourishing many people. But when we're finished with my part, then the programs go into the edit suite, and that's what takes place in this room. And in this room, you can see there's people doing all kinds of things. They take the Greek words that I prepare. By the way, it takes a long time to prepare all those Greek words. But then they have to put them on the screen. They have to adjust the sound, adjust the color. They edit the whole program together with the music, the advertisements, the prayer, everything. And we create a teaching program for you. And our goal is to bring teaching that you can trust. That's our goal. That's my prayer. And I want to say thank you to you for helping all of us do it. It's not just me and Denise. There's a whole team here together. We're all committed to bringing good teaching to people. And your part's very important. So thank you for being a partner. Thank you for praying for us. And thank you for giving. After hearing today's teaching, maybe you have somebody on your heart that you know you need to be praying for. God wants to use you to deliver them. He really does. And if you'd like for us to pray with you, send us an email or give us a call right now. And when you reach out to us, tell us about anything that's on your heart because we'll put our faith together with you. And remember that right now we're offering you my series called How to Build Up Your Most Holy Faith. The subtitle says, Praying in the Spirit, Building Your Faith, and Becoming an Instrument in the Hands of God. It's just jam-packed. You will devour it. And it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you right now my book, which is called Last Day's Survival Guide. Please order yours today. And if you're not already a partner, would you please become a partner with our ministry? If you're already a partner, thank you, partner. You're helping us to take the Word of God to people all over the world. But if you'd like to become a partner, you can do that by going online or by giving us a call. And the moment you become a partner, we're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone, which we always give to partners, along with Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. We give these two books to everyone who becomes a part of our partner family. But let me pray for you. Father, please use us to intercede and to pray, to negotiate spiritually, to make a difference in the lives of those that are in trouble. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity.